Blog Talk Radio.
So I feel much better than him. I think we, we all three of us are looking up. <laughs> hey, yo, I, I, I do feel for that young man. Um, that's one of those situations where you just do the obligatory, uh, I like to thank God, keep it rolling. Um, but sometimes you get caught doing too much. He got caught out there. Yeah, yeah too much on his mind right now. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. But I feel Way good. Too much on his got, mind. You know, we, we got a main man on here tonight. So I'm feeling good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got the gun thing right now. Yeah, yeah. I feel good tonight. We're going to be a good one. If you guys only knew how excited I am to be here. (laughs) Y'all know who that is. For all you listeners out there, we got the gunslinger, Justin Page, is in the house. (laughs) I'm excited. I appreciate y'all having me on. I've been waiting for for this opportunity for a long time, and uh, I won't let you down. Oh, no doubt. You never let us down. You You always bring it. So we're glad to have you in the fold. Um, this portion of the show is known as the intro to let you know. This is where we give you a quick rundown of all the things we have in store for you all tonight. Uh, we're going to do some rapid-fire hot takes. We got Justin in the house. So I just want to get his opinion on so much. There's been so much going on since the last time we had the brother on. So we definitely got to we, we gotta crack open a couple and really dig into some things. Um, so there's a lot going on. Um, then we're going to talk NCAA tourney. To finish out, we're going to hit you with some NBA, some NFL we're going to kind of jump all over the place, sit back, relax, and just enjoy the ride. We're going to take you on a fantastic voyage real quick. Um, let's just jump right into it. Let's just jump right into it. So, Justin, it's been a minute since we had you on, man. Um, good to have you in the fold again. Um, you know, our schedules are crazy. Your schedule is crazy. But we finally caught up and got you back in the mix with the real sports guys. Man, how you been, man? ATL, the Super Bowl. How did y'all take that? ATL always. We had a great run. Falcons let me down. I told uh, I told anybody that will listen. I'd rather be Carolina the year before. Don't even don't even get my heart committed during the game. Don't give me a uh, don't give me a don't give me hope if you're gonna let me down like that. But that's been years of being a Falcons fan. But guess what? We'll rise up again next year and hopefully get it done. We made some improvements to the defense in the uh, in this here thing called free agency. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, hopefully we can approve upon the mistakes we made in the Super Bowl and go ahead and bring home this ring so the Saints can fans can quit making memes about us. <laughs> yeah, man, that Atlanta-New Orleans thing is pretty real. Um, I didn't really understand that, man, but it, it's pretty intense down there. Y'all don't like each other in a different kind of way. <laughs> it's real beef, man. I was down for Mardi Gras on All-Star Weekend, and they had a float that was dedicated to, to my Falcons having zero rings. It was uh, real. Ooh. The hatred was real. Ooh, I like that though. That's quality hatred though. That's that's the good stuff, man. That's the stuff <laughs> that keeps you coming back. They did. They definitely went all in. I got to give them credit for that. Hey, if somebody gonna hate on you, you want them to go all out. That's all I can say about hate. If it's gonna be hate, let it be quality hate. Um, you know. So, so we got a lot to get into. Uh, let's just start. Colin Kaepernick, um, Spike Lee came out with a tweet um, talking about how he feels like it's a travesty and maybe a bit of a conspiracy that Colin Kaepernick cannot get signed. Uh, Justin, what are your thoughts on Kaepernick not being able to get signed right now? I think Cap did it to himself. Um, And I think Cap knew what he he was getting himself into when he decided to be a a political activist and 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 not just a football player. I think that the, the, the shield in which is the, is the NFL 
they're far too powerful. And he, he made a lot of people within that shield uncomfortable. And we all know, once once certain people in management are uncomfortable, your shots of getting another job are, are, are slim and none. And Slim probably just left the building. Mm. And I dig that, and I dig that. But at the same time, it's so difficult for me to really buy into that 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 line of thought when I see them like, like trying to figure out how they could finagle Joe Mixon into the on the draft board. You know what I'm saying? Like, Colin didn't commit no crimes. You know, uh, he may have committed a crime against their sensibilities, but in the end, they have signed and justified. I mean, Greg Hardy just got cut last season. I mean, Josh Gordon's. If Josh Gordon had a clean P test today, he would get signed. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's, it's to me, it's a little bit. Yes, he's pissing people off, but there's a layer to this where it's like, did he piss him off because of what he did? You know what I mean? What are your thoughts on this whole situation, D. Will? You know, I, I think that it's. Um, you know, I think the difference between the ones that you're talking about those are contained with individuals. I think one of the things that scare uh, the um, sports establishment, particularly the folks who control the money, is any, any voice that has an ability to inspire others. So, so you can be a problem that's contained. So even though the things that we're probably talking about with some of those other athletes, to me, are far worse kinds of things in the minds of anybody. You know, at, you know, Cap's not doing anything that, um, in some ways, I think it, 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 it should represent the kind of people that you want to have as part of your community. But I think the problem with it is he can't be contained because, you know, he wasn't worried about the fact he was a backup quarterback at the time. He just had a voice in a way that he was able to influence other athletes within the sport. You know, football is a sport even – uh, we could talk about this in other sports where there, there's been some similar kind of uh, isolation of players and not being able to be supported uh, after making a political statement. But football, by its nature, the way that they, they brand it in terms of the team and uh, the, 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 the audience that supports it, which is in some ways, if you think about it, a lot of folks from some of those red area states. And so it has this complex kind of dynamic that someone like Cap represents a bigger threat because he was influencing the behavior of other players. Um, and I think, you know, some of these folks who are controlled um, want to be able to control. That's why they refer to them as assets, right? They want to be in control of their behavior. So when you, when you're somebody who's committed a, 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 a crime, you're more likely to be controlled because you want a job versus someone like Cap who is not defined that way. So I think that's what scares people. I think he, I think at some point he's gonna find a job because he's playing a very important position. And somebody keeping your job sometimes makes you look past some of that stuff. I think that's part of why he's different than some of the other folks. And I think Cap accepted that. He understood that um, because his, his commitment was much bigger. But it, it's a shame that um, uh, that he's in this position. Yeah, and I think a big piece of it is that he challenges, and you brought and you brought up the politics of the situation. And we can't really have a, a a real conversation without this without bringing some some level of politics into it because it was a political statement on his part. 
Um, I think Justin had a good point. He did it to himself, and he kind of knew what he was stepping into, and he knew he was taking a risk. It was a calculated risk, but a risk nonetheless. Um, when you step out and you challenge the the, the system of, of patriarchy and and white supremacy that we live in, and you challenge that and you put that on the front um, in the venue where it's supposed to be an escape, um, you're gonna get you're gonna get back you're gonna get pushed back. And it may be a silent, passive-aggressive pushback, which this is, um, but you're going to get pushback. Um, and, you know, Devon, you talked about a lot of uh, the major support for football is older. Um, the average age of a football fan is about 45-ish now. Um, and also, uh, you know, male and red state and usually white. You know, when you really break down the demographics of it. Um, and so his statement does not <laughs> jive with, with the population I just broke down. And so, you know, it's it's, cra- it's still crazy in a sense, though, because you have cats like Mike Glennon who yeah. is, uh, uh, didn't even didn't even do nothing. Like, I, I, I did as much as far as being an NFL quarterback as that dude did last season. And he's about to get 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 dressed up and, and caked up um, by some team, um, only to get some GM fired in the end, which is which is what I predict will happen with whoever signs Mike Lennon. Um, you're gonna get fired. Just know that because um, he's not that good at what you think he's. He's just not that good at what he does. <laughs> um, it, it, it still is crazy to me that that Cap can't get a, a job, and not only that, but. Not only Cap not getting a job, but then you look at Tyrod Taylor, who is getting way less than market value for what QBs go for nowadays. And that's a starting caliber quarterback. So the question it leads me to ask is, is and maybe, Justin, you can, I want you to kind of uh, step into this for a second after I ask this question, but is there still, like, an issue with the African-American, with the black quarterback? Yes. There is, and I'll tell you the issue. They don't win. They don't win the big game consistently. And they don't withstand the longevity of their careers like some of the other greats. I love Michael Vick probably more than anybody. I was here with the glory years of Mike Vick, and Mike Vick was good for what? Until the, until the dog incident. After that, he gave us one good year. Right? Never got to the Super Bowl. Never took it to the promised land. Look at Tyrod Taylor. Look at Geno Smith. Look at Jamarcus Russell. All the guys you bet big on. Cam gave us MVP last year. What did he do this year? There's no consistency. They like to say it's, it's the lack of ability to be a pocket passer. I don't know if I agree with that. I just think they don't win long term because their style of play is not necessarily conducive to consistent winning in the NFL. It breaks down your body quicker. Um, it, it, while it works in in some regular season concepts, you come to the playoffs, teams, teams defenses scheme and have one guy spying a quarterback. All that running and, and playing hero ball is not going to work. You need to stand back there, stand tall, move your feet, deliver a, uh, deliver a strike. And, and if you look at all the, the African-American quarterbacks, or most of, I should say, um, that's where that's where they have trouble. I think that that the kid in uh, uh, Jameis Winston has the ability, but he hasn't quite shown it. He hasn't been consistent. 
I haven't seen one consistent African-American quarterback since the, the pre-big pre days. And even still, they didn't win championships. And that's what these, these GMs want, people that are going to win them championships. However, do, though, I do want to shout out Cap. I read today he just gave 50000 to one of his a new charity last week, the Somalian work. So I do want to give him his, his kudos for his efforts out here in the world, and he's making a difference with the money he did steal from the NFL the last couple of years because he hadn't been worth his paycheck. So he, he should be thankful that he has the ability to, to do something that's bigger than football because I don't think his skill set uh, leads to winning on the football field. So, so yeah, I was going to take a different take to that because I, I think I think that to me that's a slippery slope because I think the um, the uh, tool for evaluation and forgiveness is where there's a difference in equity. There's nothing you said about black quarterbacks is not true about white quarterbacks. Look about any quarterback. Like there's only like two or three that fit the bill you just talked about. You know, that doesn't – our quarterback over there in Washington is not that good, but they, they keep playing it like he is. And so the way in which – to me, this is why I say we're going to have equity. Marcus, you always heard me say this. When, when, when we can have a black quarterback or a black coach get recycled like some of these white quarterbacks and white coaches for subpar performance, that's when I'm, on, I'm understanding equity. Because if you look at, if you look at Tyrod Taylor – this is the kid who made the Pro Bowl. This is the kid who actually is been consistent, actually has been in the pocket. And you would argue that um, uh, that he did it with not having the most innovative offense, not that he couldn't play in that, and having a receiving core that's been in and out. He's produced on a high level, yet a guy like Glennon who didn't even play, who didn't demonstrate, who start, when he started didn't demonstrate any of the things you just said, just got a solid deal. So I, I think – I think the lens around the equity in evaluation is inconsistent. I agree with you. If, if, if that was true across the board and applied to everyone equally, then I think I, I agree with all the points you said, but I believe that part of it is the implicit bias that's part of it is that there is a different lens. Like, it's, it's just quickly trying to kill me. Jamie Wilson comes out and Mariota comes out. You have to be blind not to see that Jamin Wilson is a pro-ready quarterback. He was throwing from the pocket. He was reading defenses. He was doing all the things that white quarterbacks who had the same skill set had coming out of college. And yet people in Mariota, I, I knew he was going to have a tough sophomore season. And from the beginning, they were running Jamin's offense the same way that they ran it for Peyton Manning. He was running the entire offense. He was, he was making pro throws. And 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 still, even when he was coming back and winning against tough teams, people were still trying to evaluate him differently. So I think there's a subtext, this implicit bias that's part of it, that that allows for us to to not see and not people to grow. And then I think the other underlying thing is that we've lost the ability to develop talent in the NFL. The quarterback position used to have a developmental approach, and now. For some reason, everybody got to be fast-tracked. You know, so even when we talk about someone like Aaron Rodgers, he sat and watched it develop. He, had, he was a running quarterback. Aaron ran as much and moved around and did a whole bunch of other things, had a terrible release, but he sat and they developed him, right? And so unless you're an organization like Green Bay or somebody who's got a little bit of confidence 
about how you approach this process, most of these people are getting destroyed by bad coaches, bad uh, – you hear it now. It depends on, uh, on, on, on what's your developmental program. And we have a lot of organizations who don't have quality approaches to developing their talent, particularly at quarterback. I think it's the worst coach position in NFL. Yeah, uh, and to take a different angle, I think you both raised some great points. Um, like, you know, who's the boy in uh, in Cincinnati? Dalton. Dalton. Osweiler. Um, Cousins. Um, Cutler. Um, Fitzpatrick. And you know what I'm saying? Like cats that keep getting dressed up and broke off on the paper tip ain't really producing either. And this is yeah. where when we look at the when we look at the the systemics of it is that who are the decision makers? Who get this who gets to decide who gets signed and who doesn't get signed? And that's where the NFL is far behind most other leagues as far as having some diversity in the front offices. Um having folks yeah. in the front office who just have a different perspective and a different view. You know, they all talk about how the NFL is such a copycat league. Um, and it's a copycat league to its detriment, I think, in some in some situations where you do have everybody trying to fast track quarterback development, um, where everybody's kind of uh, uh, you know one size fits all cookie cutter kind of approach to um, how to create a great quarterback. Like if the guy don't pop um, in his first year, then he may not be worth it. Which uh, which there's a lot of evidence that says if the cat can't figure it out or you don't see signs that he's going to figure it out, he ain't going to figure it out. Um, there's a lot of evidence that says that, 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 that is true. Like the guys who usually are worth something figure it out pretty quickly. I mean, you look at Russell Wilson, um, you look at uh, Jameis, even Mariota. Um, he had a pretty good second half of his, uh, his, his last season last year. So you look at some of these guys who come in, Derek Carr, some of the younger guys who have come in, and when you throw them out there and they hit, you know you got a good one. And when they miss, you probably don't have one. But for every every situation like that, you have a guy like Alex Smith who just needed to bubble for a little bit, you know, who just needed to, to, to get in the right situation um, to really kind of let his skill set kind of grow. Um, and so it, there's more than one way to crack an egg. And I think That's right. this is what bugs me about the NFL is that everybody's trying to do it all the same and that may not necessarily work. Um, yeah. That's one thing, you know, people laugh at the Cleveland Browns, um, but at least they're kind of taking a different approach to doing business. Um, and if you're gonna, if you're the Browns, you need, you way behind. If you're going to do what everybody else is doing, you is not going to catch up. So you need, you need to figure out a way to accelerate your growth. <laughs> you need to be throwing some stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> yeah. You might yes. want to come out in the wing tee and see if that pops. <laughs> yes. yes. What works for you? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and, and so, but, but Marcus, you know, if you look at it, I, but I want to add to your point. I think you, but if you look at those teams, even those players who pop, it's no coincidence if you look at them that they most of those teams have really good uh, uh, support system for quarterback development, and most of those teams have a very strong philosophy about what they want to get done. So it's, it's, it's a player who can, who's willing to commit to the process is one, you're right, but there's also in a context of a team that has an approach and a philosophy. And if you look at most of these teams, 
you don't know what they're trying to do. Like, do you know what the Bears, what their philosophy is offensively? Do you know what the Jets' philosophy is offensively? Like, do you do, like we go down the line? But if I were to ask you, do you know what the Patriots? You can see what the Patriots are trying to do. If you if you look at uh, Atlanta, you can see Atlanta has a, has developed a clear philosophy. If you see Seattle, they got a clear like like it, there's no secret that these teams have more luck with quarterbacks than not because they have a clear approach to it. And so that's why I do applaud Cleveland because they're at least trying to say we need to just have a philosophy that we're going to figure out how to, to do this where we are. And I, and I think that's the big difference. Yeah. And, and to note another charitable point for uh, my man Cap is he also donated 50 G's to uh, – he also donated 50 G's to, to Meals on Wheels <laughs> just to troll the 46. I mean the 45th, just to troll 45. He uh he donated fifty G's to Meals on Wheels, uh, you know. So um, I I think I'm, I'm with you, Justin. I think Cap will get signed at some point. Um, I think somebody will will go out on him and pick him up um, because I think he is still a viable option, um, and he may be better than some of the other options, even if he's just a bridge quarterback where you draft somebody this year or you plan on drafting somebody next year. You just need somebody to kind of get the job done. Um, for the time being and just be there um, and be serviceable and, and, and see what you can do. Maybe you can catch lightning in the bottom and you get a good year or two out of them before you move them along. Um, I'm pulling for him to, to, to stay in the mix and stay in the game um, and hopefully get that, get that, uh, get that glow back that he had in the, uh, uh, around 2012, 2010, when everybody was calling him the, the next, best things in sliced bread. Um, and they were. I mean, you had Steve Young talking about he's the next, next like this is the next evolution of the quarterback and this, that, and the other, and they're breaking down this cast game. Um, you know, it was all good just a week ago. <laughs> um, so, uh, Tiger Woods, man. Um, it, it, Tiger's been out, the, out off the scene for a minute. And Tiger has shown back up, and SVP came at his hairline last night. <laughs> Told him he needed to come on home <laughs> and just let it go. <laughs> to his face, he told that man that I appreciate that to a certain extent. Um, I beg the question, uh, Justin, I want you to go first. Is Tiger, is, is his fall off, is, he, is, he just, fall is, off. is it just a wrap? His fall off has been complete. <laughs> what, what, did I miss something other than his comments to make us think otherwise? <laughs> Has he been competitive since his scandal? What was that, 10 years ago? What year was the scandal? Honestly. He hasn't given us any. I think it was, think it was like 2010 maybe, man. I want to say 10, somewhere around there. But it's we been, are in uh. 2017. <laughs> this brother's got more surgeries than he's got tournaments played in. This guy is falling apart. His his personal life's a mess. He look the hairline thing. Oh come on, Tiger's done. He's been done. I, I, he still must watch TV because you, you think he's got a chance and he fools you every time. He's worse than the current day Atlanta Falcons. Mm mm mm. To win a shot at the home team at the end, but I'm with you, man. I just. <sighs> I, I I hold out hope that maybe he recaptures something, but it's just like, what's the point anymore, man? <laughs> it's just like, what's the point, dog? Um, he made his money. Right, he's man. selling his golf clubs. His uh, his 
His attire still moves off the shelf. He's like the Lance Armstrong of, of cycling for, for golf. He had his run. It's hey, over. Okay, so so I, I'm 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 gonna take that as a sneak diss that that comparison. Am I right to take that as a sneak diss? You sneak dissing with the Lance Armstrong? Are you trying to say something? I think I'm trying to say something. Trying to make a fair comparison. <laughs> because I, 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 but I think that comparison goes another level deep, other than just like the falling off after being dominant. Because Lance got caught, you know, he kind of got caught up using some PEDs, and, and things didn't work out after he got off some PEDs. <laughs> scandal is um, scandal. How you, how you slice. Some is worse. Some is hey. better. Scandal is scandal. And and this is what I'll say. I I think I think for a minute. Again, Tiger, Tiger was juicing. <laughs> I'm going to throw it out there. I think Tiger was juicing. <laughs> you um, said it, not me. <laughs> hey, I'll say it. I'll say it. I think Tiger was juicing. Um, if we get cut off, then we know something's up. We know t- Tiger still got pulled. <laughs> but I'm going to say it, man. He was kind of mm-hmm. loosely connected to the dude in Miami um, with A-Rod's boy. Um, he was kind of loosely connected to that, but it kind of got swept under the rug, and we all know what the right price you can make you can make a lot of stuff go away, um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that his affiliation with that also coincided with his becoming all of a sudden super injury prone, like just not even like regular human being injury prone, like Mr. Glass injury prone. Like he can't go out on a golf course, something that he's done his whole life, and swing a club and not pull something. Like, he can't get, like, through three rounds of, of a tournament when he does enter a tournament, when he actually suits up, when he actually laces them up, packs up his clubs and goes out on the course, he never finishes anymore. Like, to me, there's something to that beyond he's just getting old because golf is something that you can do until you're 45, 50 years old, and he's breaking down in his early 40s where he should have five more years, five or six more years even, to still be kind of – able to compete at the highest levels. And maybe golf has changed because more younger guys are now in the sport, so maybe you can't compete as 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 long as you used to because there's just more talented younger people coming into the game, and so they're pushing out the older people because the competition level is, is too high to compete. But it was a precipitous fall, man. I mean, it was like – you know, you. I guess you didn't know the ledge. I mean, I don't even think it was a ledge. I think they pulled the rug from out on the old boy, and he hit that trap door. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, it was it was ugly. It was ugly. D. Will, what are your thoughts on Tiger, man? Man, I watched him in that interview, and he just he he just he looked like you know he's searching, and so and when you searching, man, and golf is a game of confidence. Um. I, I think even if he was juicing, it has because golf requires a, a whole bunch of other set of skills. To me, that's neither here or there, uh, but I, it, it may play a role in his confidence. But I, but, think, I, but I want to challenge you on that because, and the reason I say it because when you're using HGH, it's the recovery, and that's the benefit of it. People think juicing and they think getting stronger. No, it's not about getting stronger. It's about not. It's about injury prevention. And in, 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 on, the, on the low, low-key, I'm in favor of using HGH to keep cats healthy. Like, when they're coming back from an injury to speed up the healing process, I'm all for that in a controlled way, right? 
But I think yeah, that's, that's where true, he was you, using but you, it. But you, but you, yeah, but you also got guys like John Daly who's on there smoking a cigarette and drinking a beer. I mean, something about golf, right? <laughs> that 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 I, I agree with that, and I love. But I also think in the, in the game of golf, because there's a lot around um, the short game, everything he had. I, I think even more so than if he was. I think it's the way in which he constructed his his lifestyle, and I think when he when the, when the when when he got revealed. That interrupted a lifestyle in a way that he was a rhythmly, you know, and you can you can be critical of whatever he was doing, but there was a rhythm and approach, and there was a, you know, it's almost like when you took away Tyson's craziness, right? When you neutralized that, he was not the same person. There was a fearlessness, there was a reckless abandon about Tiger that he had a super level of confidence, and I think when he went through that incident, it just it reduced him, right? And he so he had to be in this other space for a long period of time that was not feeding him in a way that allowed for his competitive instincts. And it just took away his competitiveness because he had to respond. And I don't think he's ever recovered from that. The psychological damage that that did, he just never recovered. It was like he got, that was his Buster Douglas moment, right? That was his Buster yeah. Douglas moment where he was invincible. And I think it, it, it put him under a scope in a way that did not allow him to just be that guy who was, um, critical, that guy who was um, uh, uh, didn't really care because he had to demonstrate that he cared. And so I think it, aff- it affected his approach to his craft in a way that I think he hasn't figured out how to perform any other way. Beautifully said. It, yeah, it broke his brand. It broke the brand. And it broke what he had kind of put himself out to be and that dude just crumbled. I mean, whether it was the back to the back of the SUV or whatever, once that glass broke, you know what I mean? Like you could see who was behind. It's, it's, it's like it's like That's in right. the Wiz when when uh, Diana Ross catch Richard Pryor in the back and he you know turning the wheels and, and doing all of this, you know. And it's like, yeah, I'm just a, I'm just I'm just you know I'm just a snake oil salesman from from Kansas City. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> At the end of the day. That's right. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, and, and that's and that's and that's I feel like you know the, when when the brand breaks, and you know you can no longer kind of hide behind the, the persona you created. Um, either there's something there, or there isn't, um, and maybe in Tiger's situation, there there wasn't very much there, and the brand was like that was his spinach. You know what I mean? That was Popeye cracking open a can of spinach, and when he ate that spinach. You know what I'm saying? He was all gravy. Um, but when he had that spinach, he's just a regular old sailor. And that might be um, Tiger at this point. I mean, he might just be a regular old dude. Whatever his spinach was, you know what I mean? Whether it was the image and the brand and the uh, the the lifestyle or whether it was PDs, something ain't popping no more. And I don't think it's ever going to pop again. And it seems like you guys are all in that same camp where we don't see a popping ever again for this guy. Do you, and Justin, do you think he can recover? No, absolutely not. He's done. He lost his ability to recover years ago. He gave us hope fresh out the gate surgery. Every time he gives us hope surgery, I can't, I can't see right? him getting it back. Father time is never beat. Scandal is rarely beaten. He's in the same boat of a lot of guys who had scandal and were great before the scandal but couldn't quite recover. 
Yeah, I, I mean, he just wiped him out, man. He just wiped him wiped out. Wiped him out. It's a phenomenon. I don't, I, it's a phenomenon. I, I just, it's it's crazy. It's consistent. It's consistent. Um, I want to move on, though. Uh, so the NBA um, this season um, has been a very eventful season, and one of the major events has involved guys not playing. Um, primetime games, you have, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, or last week you had the Warriors and the Spurs play in a very in a very important game for both teams because the Spurs were only a game back of the Warriors, or what we thought was an important game, or what should have been an important game for both teams. The Spurs were only a game back of the Warriors um, for the first seed in the Western Conference. Um, and, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge had a doctor's appointment. You know, he had to get a checkup, something like that. Um, Kawhi, you know, fell asleep standing in the mirror. Um, a bunch of other dudes on the Spurs just needed some rest. You know, Curry, you know, had to go get Aisha off Twitter. And, you know, Clay had to go do some Clay stuff. And Draymond was, you know, he was in the middle of a yelling, shouting match with an old lady at, at a dog park. And so they just, none of these dudes was available. <laughs> Everybody was busy. <laughs> Everybody was busy, you know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, you got Kyle Anderson and Ian Clark starring in in a game between two of the high prof, highest profile teams in the league. Um, and that raised a lot of eyebrows, um, caused a lot of complaints. And nowadays, you know, the minute somebody don't like something, they run into social media, everybody get them Twitter fingers going. Um, and you got a bunch of people out there with something to say. Now, uh, Adam Silver has come out this week and he has sent a memo to the owners telling them, get your mans in them. <laughs> you know, Adam Silver basically sent them a letter like, get your boy. <laughs> get your guy over here, man. Come get your guy. Uh, he's doing too much. Um, and basically kind of landed out that, hey, listen, we got this TV deal, man, and these cats are caking off these contracts. They're getting dressed up off these contracts. Um, we might need to make sure that we don't bite the hand that's feeding us right now, which is this TV money. And so we need to make sure we're giving them a good product when we have these telecast games. We Y'all can't be sitting the marquee names, you know what I'm saying, when it comes time to, to show the product. You know, uh, we can't be pulling the switcheroo. You know, we can't promise to track by Kanye, and we got, you know, DJ such and such on the mix. Can't do that. <laughs> We can't do that. That's not what they're paying for. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, D. Wills, I want to start with you. What are your thoughts on should the league mandate, should they go take it a step further, How and how should they legislate um, and address the issue of teams resting players down the stretch? Man, this has been great. I'm glad we're talking about this. And I've been listening to this on all over the air. And I, I came to a conclusion that – the conversation is about the wrong part of it. You know, I heard Jalen Rose talking about, you know, players and the commitment and ethics and all this. I've heard other folks talking about what about the fans. Uh, Mike Gold has just been killing fans. Like, it's not about you. It's about the money. And I thought long and hard about this. And so one of the things that I, I, I thought about that uh, Adam Silver should actually do, there's just three things. The focus, whatever you do, needs to target coaches and GMs. The other thing is that um, it does not need, whatever you come up with does not need to get into the nuances, nuances of why you missed the game. And the other thing is it needs to force coaches and GMs 
to think about how that decision is going to affect them long term. So I use that as my guiding principles for how I would come up with a policy for this. And so what I came up with is what I'm calling, if you hear somebody else talking about this, you heard it was here. I'm calling this one equals three rule, meaning that if you miss a game for any reason, you miss the next two games. And and if if if, if Adam Silver did an analysis of, of injuries, he would probably find that most people who are really injured probably miss on average about two to three games anyway. So it's going to cover any of your people. So it's almost like a three-day disabled list. What that would do is you're not going to see someone like Cleveland sitting Kyrie, LeBron, and Love. That means you're missing them for the next three games. So think about this. If you sit LeBron for one game, you're really sitting them for nine. And what that does is that forces you to think about how your decision has long-term impact. I, ain't gonna, I don't care why you're sitting in. I ain't going to get into that nuance. You ain't got to have no fake injury. But if that person sits, they sit one game, they sit in the next two. And I think if you do something like that, and then maybe the rule goes up until about a week or so before the playoffs, because I think most fans, most people know that there's strategies around sitting people at that point. But I think if you have that rule, then you ain't got to get into why you're sitting. But if LeBron ain't dressed, that means LeBron ain't dressed for the next two games. And you just do it like that, and then you leave it alone. And I think that would force teams to really think about whether or not they're going to rest somebody or not. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I still think that's too much because I think now you impact – again, you're still impacting the product. I think at the core of this, there – No, I don't think you're impacting the product. You don't impact the product because the thing about it is I don't think people will set folks under that. I think if I don't think they would sit, I don't think they would. I don't think you would impact the product at all because I don't actually think. I would say in addition to that, you still. In addition to that, I would also try to find ways to deal with the back-to-back issue. So I, I would try to do some of those things in addition to the rule. But I don't think you actually would. I don't think that people would actually do it. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll wait in a second. I want to hear what Justin got to say first. So Justin, what are your thoughts on this whole situation with resting players? What do you think? Well, personally, I don't like it. Um, I really applaud James Harden and what he said last night when they asked him about it, about his MVP chances and how he feels about the rest of him. And, and he had the perfect reply in my eyes. He said, I'm a hooper, man. Yeah, I get paid for it, but it's out of love. I love to hoop. Tell, I don't want Coach to sit me. I want to play as much as I can. I'll rest when I'm done. And I love that approach. I respect that approach, and that's why he's my MVP. Um, but all the resting, I love. I love D. Will's uh, uh, profound uh, problem. Uh, I love. I love what he's bringing to the table. I like it, uh, and I like to add to it. Make him sit three games and cut him three three game checks. Those, those game checks are going to a charity of the league's choice. If you're not out there on the court, we're paying you. We're giving Evan Turner seventeen million a year. And, 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 and $17 million a year to play 82 games. Play your 82 games. I heard Sam Mitchell on the radio say back in 1985, Magic Johnson got $1 million a year. He played every game. The reason that these players are getting these now enormous salaries is because they're getting a piece of the TV revenue. 
Why burn the TV the, the TV stations when they're the one that's giving you the most financial reward other than your big stars who got big shoe deals and, and apparel deals? I don't like it at all. I think it taints the game. I think I look at a player softer if he rests. Um, I got no sympathy for whatever aches and ailments he got. He got two, three months off in the summertime, depending on how far they go in the playoff run. I think it's cowardly. Um, I think I think situations I can understand is, is if you've been in the league 50 years like Tim Duncan and, and your body just can't take it anymore, I get that. But this LeBron and Kyrie and, and, and I get the Kevin Love, he was injured, but Steph and all that, forget rest. NBA is bent over backwards for you to give you what you want in terms of a whole week off during All-Star. Uh, uh, we limited the back-to-backs. We did. We make the NBA makes all these accommodations for these needy players, and what these players are doing. Who's who's in leadership now in the players' association? You got Chris Paul and LeBron James, two of the biggest masterminders and 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 players who control the the front office situations, leading the players' union. And that's that's been the, the the staple of LeBron's career. In addition to his great play, is manipulating situations for his personal gain, and he's doing that for the players. And Adam Adam Silver's falling for it, and it's going to hurt him long term. It, it's it's a short term strategy for long term risk. Because I guarantee you, what next CBA, we could be looking at a strike because the NBA is not having what's going on right now. And I want to add a point there. I mean, you just hit it. So think about this. Think about the scenario. Actually, and Jalen Jacoby pointed out tonight, I was listening to it. It was actually Jalen pointed out. He said, think about this. LeBron James, think about it. The, the, the Clippers are, are fighting for their lives, the four and five spot. Whoever wins that four spot between Utah and the Clippers um, probably will win their series. So Le, LeBron James, they're going to play the Clippers. Now, Ty Lue played for – worked with Doc Rivers. LeBron and, and, and Paul are, are best friends. So rather than sitting out the next game with the Lakers, who are who you could probably win without the two of them, you sit out against Chris Paul and the Clippers. Like, you could, if you look at that deeply, you could, you could sense there's, I'm not going to say collusion, but there could be, right? What's the choice for doing that, right? And so you start getting into these whole other areas of things on how people are making decisions when they're sitting in and out, that could be costing the league in other ways. And so I think you're hitting right on the head around this one. And the other thing they suggested is, in addition, you talking about the paychecks, they were like, if they don't play, give them a zero-zero for the game. Because what happens is uh, then they have an impact on their statistics. So because and a lot of players are concerned about that. So if you don't play, you know, do something that also counts that as a game towards your statistics. And so when you're looking out your average over time, that will impact your statistics. And players are concerned about about that kind of stuff. So they, that was another thing they added to that I think might be something else you add. Okay. Okay. And, and both of your points are well taken. Um, I kind of saw it as I'm kind of taking a different approach to addressing the issue. I'm with you guys. I think the issue needs to be addressed. I think guys need to play. Um, I'm also – I, I think 82 games is too much. Um, you know, I've always been for reducing the schedule. I know that ain't happening because that's money, right? That's not going to happen. Reducing the back-to-back, continuing to work on that, I think is really important because I think guys just play better with more rest. And if you want more excited excitement and you want better performances out of your athlete that people will come and watch, you want to make sure that they're able to perform at their highest levels, which means less back-to-backs. 
You know, even as a college athlete, when we had back-to-backs, that second game was always a bit more of a grind. And that was when I was 21, 22 years old. Um, and I wasn't going against other NBA, against NBA players. You know what I'm saying? So even if you are of that caliber, an athlete, doing that back-to-back is just hard. It just is. Um, and that's, that's not even considering the travel aspect of it, um, which also Game takes changer. a bit of a toll on your body. What's up? That's what makes the game the game. You're not gonna get, you're not gonna get your best night every night. Like like right fo- right. You're as healthy as you're gonna be game one. Come game sixteen, you're beat up, and that is in time, that in part impacts the game, and that what takes the element of that what cr- helps create the element of surprise. You don't know who's gonna be healthy. You don't know who's gonna be tired and not be able to give it through all. The best push through, tired or not. You're getting over $20 million game. And I dig that, Justin, if both teams are coming off a back-to-back. If I'm going against a dude that didn't play last night and I played last night, he got an advantage. That ain't competition. He got an advantage. And that's what happens a lot. I I watched a couple back-to-back games early in the season where Oklahoma City played an overtime game one night. Then they turn around and have to play the Warriors the next night. The Warriors in a grudge match type game, and they get blowed. You know what I'm saying? They got blowed out. Why? Because they played an overtime game the night before. They're not as good as the Warriors anyway. But then it, it takes away from a marquee game, right? So that's the issue with the league. The league has an issue with the impact that this has on the, the product overall. So my solution is that you continue to limit the back-to-backs um, and keep working at that because I think that does matter. Again, unless both teams had a back-to-back, then one team got an advantage, and that ain't competition in my, in, my, in my opinion. Like, I played last night. You was kicking it. You was chilling with your feet up. And now you come out here all bouncy and fresh. You know what I mean? Like, I'm a still a human being, and I still got to grind through. You're right. I still got to compete. But you got an advantage. You know what I mean? So that's a real thing. The other piece of it, though, is that I, if I'm Adam Silver, I don't even try and legislate it beyond I'm going to take away your primetime games. If you're not going to play your guys in prime time, you're not going to be on prime time. And so for these teams that are – like, I don't care if LeBron doesn't play on a Tuesday night in Minnesota if that game ain't on TV. I really don't. And I don't think Adam Silver does either. I think Adam Silver cares when Steph Curry and LeBron and these dudes are sitting on games that they have marked as televised marquee games. So when we're doing Saturday night NBA TV – Dang it, the stars better be playing. And if they ain't playing, you ain't getting on again. And that's the route I was. That's my, because because it that's is NBA's about version of Monday night. That's NBA's version of Monday night football. Right. Right now. Right. You so we need to like, we have a showcase game. game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We have a showcase game and we don't have our stars being showcased. You're not you you pull that on when you got a televised game. So like and don't even get into all the other stuff. Just say, hey, y'all can rest y'all guys if y'all want to. Do what you gotta do. All right, it's your record at the end of the day. It's your, it's your team. You manage it. But, dang it, don't mess with the money. When we got a game on TV and you scheduled to be on TV, you better rest in the night before. You better rest in the night after. But they playing in that TV game or else you ain't going to be on TV again. That's what I say you do. Simple as that. The you NBA product on TV would suffer. If, if, if you don't play the Cavs or the Warriors or, or the Spurs, you're not going to have the ratings. And if you don't have a yeah, because it's, yes, that's what. But that hurts is. LeBron. That hurts LeBron and them because now they're not on TV, right? That hurts. That hurts. That and hurts and now league. you now younger. Yes, it does, but it's hurting the league anyway. 
right? No, people still that's tune in. People still tune in, and we're talking about it. The fact that we're talking you about the You watch that league, Warriors game? I you watch that Warriors game? I'm watching them play against Dallas now, too. <laughs> and I stopped, and, and I was gonna watch I was gonna watch Warriors Spurs, but then I found out wasn't nobody playing, and I did not watch the game at all because wasn't nobody playing. That very game, I was like, eh, never mind. I guess I won't watch that game. I got other stuff to and, do. And you, but that's the other piece about you, it. It's 2017. Yeah. Like I'm a hardcore fan, but I also have four children. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So if I'm gonna sit down and watch a game, I want to be entertained. And if I know. Again, and that's why I'm against. That's why I don't like the back-to-back situation. Like, if a team comes off and back-to-back, and they play in a team that didn't play, you can almost predict who's going to win the game. Why watch? Why game watch? change. But I gotta but, disagree. But, but you know, yeah, you, guys, you, know Mike, you know, Michael had them. Michael had back-to-backs, and he just did them on the back-to-back. Yeah, if you back-to-back, look at it, he was just doing them on the back-to-back. Doesn't each team have the same and/or comparable numbers of back-to-backs? Didn't the league just last year reduce the number of back-to-backs? Like, if you can't play two basketball games in a row and you're getting paid $20, $30 million to do it, why am I paying you $20, $30 million? I had my nine-year-old son's AAU basketball tournament this weekend. If they had a kid winning Don't do that, Justin. Don't do that. They could have played four games in a day. Yeah, when I was 16 and 17, I could play four games in a day. I could do that. And with, with, no, with no personal trainer, with no diet, no uh, right, right, and drink, drink Sprite, <laughs> eat hot Cheetos in between. You know what I'm saying? But when I was 21, 22, it's too physical. It's too no. physical. Yes, but yeah, the calorie goes you way up. Going to class, you were going to class, right? Then getting on a bus and traveling. These cats getting yes. up. You got a cryo machine. You got a day to recover. Like you were, you were playing. Getting home late at night, you had to go get up and go to class. Yes, then you had to they get are another thing and travel. Men. They are banging with grown men, that. though. <laughs> These that guys have massages you, all day. I'm telling These you, guys man, have top-notch facilities, different. top-notch trainers, top-notch ice baths, top-notch diets. That, they have top-notch everything to be able to handle this. There's no statistic that proves that if you play all 82, you're going to get hurt. There is no statistic that says that. And for LeBron to come out of his mouth and say coaches get paid to win championships, not games, that is a lie. You get but paid see, for winning games all, with but no, to championships. But no, but that's, that's also a piece of it, though, Justin. Also a piece of it. Like, again, game 75, in the grand scheme of things, again, Art of War, Sun Tzu, is this, is this a war or this is a battle? And you're trying to win the war. You're not trying to win the battle. You're trying to win the war. And game 75 doesn't mean that much. You know what I'm saying? In the grand but scheme the, of what we're trying to – if you're a championship caliber team, again, the 76ers aren't resting people. You know what I'm saying? Yes, they They're not, like, sitting people out for rest. Yes, they are. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, they yes, are. That that Embiid is different. Embiid is different because he's coming back. From and Simmons could have been came back. A healthy guy. They're not health. They're not taking healthy guys and being like, "You're not gonna play." That's different, right? They're not. They're not taking a dude who played the night before, didn't get injured, and then just being like, "You're not gonna play." They're not doing that. Why? Because that's that, that's not a part of their process. That's not a part of their trajectory right now. They're not in the mix for a championship. When you know you got to play till June, like that's what you're playing for. You're not playing for the game in January. That's not what you're there for. And that's not why they pay you $30 million is to be there in January. They pay you $30 million to be balling. But the problem you got is that 
NBA is a league, and this is back to what Justin was saying. The NBA, that's, that works in other sports because other sports branded teams. They brand teams. The NBA built its market on branding stars. And when you brand stars, and this is why Jordan, all these cats, felt a sense of responsibility to play, is because people come to, because they were the league where people came to see the stars. They laid that foundation. The reason why you can get away with football sometimes if you're a star quarterback not playing because people root for teams. And so when you decide to brand stars, which is a really good marketing tool for the NBA, that means right. stars Which is why you guarantee that they make – that's why you guarantee that the stars need to be out. When we, when we put the cameras up and the cameras come out, the stars need to be out. And if they're not going to be out, all right, you got one or two times to do it, and then that's it. Like, but you, you're going you to start losing those opportunities. But part of the problem is half the revenue that they get. And I heard a guy who was actually helped negotiate the contract today comes from ticket sales. So it's about in-person experience. It's not just about when you're on national television. It's about in-person. Like half their revenue comes from ticket sales too. So it's about in-person stuff. It's about, as Jalen was saying tonight, he said, you know, we play like these these people have never seen. This is the first time in a chance they get to see us play. And so we're going to give them that because they may not ever get to see us play live. And that's how stars approached it. So it's just not about the TV stuff with the NBA. Half the revenue is around ticket sales. So it is about the in-game experience. Also, they built a, they built a platform that is a, a beyond the Saturday night with the NBA a league pass and stuff like that in which you had the access to no matter where you are to see those teams play. They, they've been the most advanced around building these these access platforms in which you can have access to. They built that so you can – I mean, I've watched more uh, games probably of, of Minnesota on a Tuesday night because of these platforms. So they've been really advanced. So it goes beyond. And I think that's because – that's why they can they can really push these kind of deals with the networks. So what you're going to have is a buyback. The next deal might have buybacks where if, if this stuff ain't showing up the right way, network gets to buy back some of that money. You're going to see probably more buybacks in the next deal because people want to protect against their investment. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we all agree. It's something that the league's got to figure out how to deal with because I I don't think it's good overall. I don't think it's a good thing overall. Um, I think where we may disagree is how to deal with it and how to address it. But I think we're all on the same page. Like guys need to be out there playing. Um, Guys need to be out there putting in the work. One for three. Yeah. It's grueling. Yeah. It's a grind. One for three. I'm yeah, it's grueling. One for three. Yeah, it's a grind, <laughs> but you got to be out there um, because you know, and and you know the points that that guys have made. And, and Popovich came out and made an interesting point today. The gist of his his comment was, um, you know, we're using science to make these decisions. Is it's not just a willy nilly situation? And wouldn't you rather be able to make money um, for years rather than one game? And his, with his whole point being, if we're extending, you know, LeBron's career another two years, you're going to make more money off that two years than you will on a Tuesday night in, in Memphis when he's not playing. Um, and, yes, there are going to be some upset fans, but if this rest um, in their eyes is going to extend careers um, on guys who, has, who are logging, and, and that's the other truth about it, these dudes are logging more NBA minutes, which is just different. It's not – this ain't the ACC. This ain't the Big Ten. 
This ain't the Big 12, and it definitely ain't in any of those conferences 30 years ago. And so you got guys who have been doing it since they were 18, um, and now they're 33. And, yes, Jordan played 82 games when he was 33, but that was his 10th year or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like That was his 10th year against going against grown men, and it's LeBron's 14th. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Kobe like, did it for and, 20. And the, Kobe did it for 20. That's why he gets $30 million a year. Kobe did it his whole career. The great needed to be on the floor to be considered great. If you have Garnett, the ability Garnett. to play, play, that's what you get paid yes. to do. Get to, hold on. Do you ever get to call in work just because you want to? I ain't, you know, I, ain't, I ain't the same. Let's not do that. We smarter than Moses that. Moses Malone. We, we smarter than that. Just say Moses our job Malone. is not like theirs. Our job is not like theirs. Ain't nobody coming to watch me at work either. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody coming to watch you do social work. Our paycheck is our paycheck. Our paycheck is our paycheck, but it's, it's not the same thing, man. It's not the same. I, I get a paycheck just like a doctor. Yeah. That don't mean we're doing the same type of stuff. Yeah. I'm, you know what I'm saying? We're not doing the same type of stuff at all. Like if you can play, yeah. play. That's yeah. my point. I dig it, and I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. But I also understand – I also understand that there's another piece of this that they're trying to be smart about how yeah. they manage these these players' bodies um, and how do they and, and that, how do they conserve and, and help these guys and that, and that, and that's and that, so they can compete better. And I ain't mad at that. If you're trying it, to do it, stuff that's going to help you play better, I'm okay with that. If you're just resting to be resting, then yeah, that doesn't matter to me. But if you're trying to do something to improve your ability to compete, then I got to at least give you some credit for trying to improve your ability to compete and figure out how to do that. Right, that's a whole part of the process of that we're watching. Right, we're watching teams try to figure out how to outcompete each other, how to out maneuver, how to out strategize each other, and that's the beauty of the game. And so, I can I can I can appreciate that. I'm not necessarily a fan of it, but I can appreciate that thought process of like, how can we do this better so that our players are better able to compete? I think that's a st- I think that part of the conversation is something that still needs to be had and shouldn't be dismissed. Like if is there a better way to do this? And just because we've been doing it this way for 30 years doesn't mean that that was the best way to do it. It's the same thing I have, the same conversation I have with public educators. Like just because my classroom was like that and I had to come into a classroom and sit down and listen to somebody talk doesn't mean that that's the best way for a human to acquire information. You know what I'm saying? That's not, that may not be our natural, that may not even be the way we're hardwired to learn, but that's what we ask people to do. And just because I did it and Einstein did it and, and, and Miles Davis did it, and they were geniuses, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't mean that's the best way to do it. They might have been geniuses in spite of that. And and that's why I said any policy you have should not impact that process, but should recognize that this is still a business. And so that's why my approach is like, I don't want to get into Popovich while you're trying to do it. Whatever your reasons, that's good. And I don't even want to get there with you, right? But understand the decision has these consequences. Do whatever you want. And that's where I, 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 I kind of went where I went. You. I don't have to right. call you about it, but understand, if they miss one, they miss three. You can, Whatever strategy you want to use, that's cool. I ain't going to debate that with you. If they miss one, they miss three, use whatever strategy you want to do. And I'll just leave it alone. Because then it, the consumers understand we try to address the concern, but at the same time, teams got to do what they got to do, but this is the consequence. That's it. And whatever strategy you want to do, do your thing. But this is what it is. I think it's important to develop policies that don't try to get too nuanced. When you do that, then, you know, if you want to use science, 
If you want to use whatever, if you want to use voodoo doctor, whatever you want to use, use it because this is the consequence. And that's how you develop policy. I think too many policies try to get too nitty-gritty. No, I don't, I don't care why you do it. Just do whatever you feel is right. But this is the consequence, and then y'all do what y'all want to do. I think that's important. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that's kind of why I chose the route that I chose is because I don't think you I don't think you're getting too much into why people are doing it. You're just saying, listen, you got a primetime game on TNT Thursday night or whatever you say Saturday night NBA whatever. They need to be out there, all right? Or next time, next time you get a televised game, we put you on Tuesday night on NBA TV um, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you still broadcast the game, but you're not getting the primetime spot because it's only a few of those. It's only a certain a certain amount of Saturdays where they're gonna be showcasing. Because they wait till football is done. You know what I mean? They wait towards the end of the uh, college basketball season. And then they start to put these games on. And so they're only a certain amount of slots. And if you don't want those slots to be viewed as one of the marquee teams in the league, well, then we'll, we'll, we'll put the Warriors on three times. You know what I mean? Like, we'll move another game into that spot if you're not going to put the guys that people want to see in these spots out there. Um, and leave it at that. And just say, hey, if you don't play them, we'll telecast your game somewhere else. People can still see it. You're just not going to get these primetime spots. You know, we got other teams that we can showcase. We got other teams that we can put on. And we'll put those teams on if you want your franchise. And that's where you stick it to – that's where you put the screws to the owners. And we're like, hey, listen, if you want people talking about your franchise, all right, you got to make sure your coach is is putting the guys in. He can rest them whenever else he wants to, but you got to make sure he's putting them in in these primetime games. Because, again, to me, that's where people are – that's the biggest gripe. And honestly, that's the that's where people are, are coming at it from a dollar's perspective is the big TV deal, which again is what has these contracts where they are. You know what I mean? Yeah, ticket sales may be you know fifty percent of the revenue, but guys, the ticket sales have pretty much always been fifty percent of the revenue. What has changed is the amount of TV money that they're getting, and that's why your boy Evan Turner is getting seventeen mil a year. That's why Kent Bazemore is getting twenty some mil a year. Um, you know. It's because of the TV money, not because of the ticket sales, because that's been pretty consistent and pretty even throughout. The big chunk that has grown is the TV money. Um, and, but, the people, but the people who are complaining are the people coming to the arena. I mean, he's responding to the signs in the arena, the people, the fans who are coming and complaining. That's the people. The TV folks ain't complaining yet. It's the, the people who respond to I the people who buy tickets. I, I, I would disagree. I think the TV folks are saying, listen, we ain't signed up for this, and we ain't giving y'all all that money for this. Yeah, I think that's true, I think, but I, I also think, think he's hit the Because I, I, I don't think Silver, I don't think Silver really is really going to dance for the fans. I think he's dancing because, and I don't think he's going to come at the owners about the fans. I really don't. I think he's going to come at the owners when they're business partners, when they're business partners, the networks who are their business partners, and that's who he works for. He works for the owners. He's like a, a, a go between between the part, the corporate partners and the owners is coming at him. And he got to relay that message, like, yo, you know what I'm saying? TNT, Turner ain't happy. We can't be having this. I don't think he's going to come at them on behalf of the fans. He's going to come at them on behalf of the billionaires who are putting money in their pockets and telling the owners, like, yo, y'all messing with the money. But I, but I understand that, but it's a locked-in deal. So, you know, they had a point yeah, right now. Yeah, but the next one won't be. Uh, but the next one ain't. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I, I, think, I think it's a short term. When they start bidding, start happening, you know, when when Fox is willing to give up that money, it's, you know, CBS wants to get some of that change back. Uh, that part is that the optics don't look good for them. 
And I, I think – so I agree with you. I, they, you know, it's like Budweiser raising the stuff for the NFL and, and then people move when they say they go – I think – that part I would never argue with you. But I think on this, the the, the fan piece and the, 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 the voice loud piece along with that is playing a role because he's looking at the bottom line. He likes – you don't want to lose that 50%. That 50% is guaranteed. Like you said, it's been guaranteed for a while. And so you don't want to lose that 50% at all. Like, that don't need to drop. And so when you start selling these premium packages and those things start going down, because that can happen to you next season. The TV deal is going to take, like, five, what's it, five, six years for that. But you can see it dropping that next year when people are seeing those premium deals and they're not buying them. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, where I want to go next, and I, I got to go to Justin on this one, because um, I just want to get here. I just, I just know he got something to say about this. I don't know where he's gonna go. I don't know where he's gonna fall on this one. But Levar Ball, <laughs> Levar Ball, Justin, I, I'm, I'm guessing you're gonna be like, I love this guy. I'm guessing you're gonna be like, I love this guy. What's your thoughts on Levar Ball, Justin? To quote the infamous wise game changer himself, I love this guy. I, 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 <laughs> I think he is marketing those boys. Like no other, I think the NAA, I think the uh, NCAA does injustice with these kids and the way that they're treated, and I think that he's creating an opportunity for himself and his boys to change their family for generations to come. I think that that regardless of the atrocities in which he speaks, and and the level of disrespect he gives to the the great goat Michael Jeffrey Jordan and Steph Curry. I think that, that that's an atrocity and then his his basketball acumen should be stricken. However, his business IQ is through the roof. I think he's going to see the results that he's looking for. I will market my boy the same way, regardless of the undue pressure, given that all you're doing is hooping. Where's the pressure in that? If you can't hoop, then don't. He knows what his boys can do. He believes in them. And the fact that we're talking about it, my nine-year-old son knows who LaMelo Ball, the 15-year-old in California, is. My nine-year-old. He's got everybody talking about his boys. It's not affecting Gonzo on the court. He's out there putting in work, looking like the best player in the tournament. And if he gets the number one pick and he goes to Los Angeles and he remotely performs at any level of eliteness, you missed out. You could have had him for a billion dollars. Could be over 10 years, could be over 20 years. If either one of the three brothers pan out to be a star like they project him to be, a la LeBron James, a la Kevin Durant, a la Steph Curry, it's worth it. It's worth it. Get a man a billion dollars. Or do a deal that's based on performance, where he could get up to a billion dollars. That's all he's asking for. And even if he doesn't get a billion and he gets lowball, he's still got more than he had before, and his kid ain't even in the league yet. This is, this is, he, he invented the big ball of brands. Uh, he, he's already getting revenue from it. He's doing what the NCAA has been doing to students since forever. He's getting rich and his family rich off of these kids, and he's got the right to do it because they're his kids. And I applaud him for it. And more parents need to step up and and, and think outside the box and think of how they can better themselves long term. I love every move he's made minus the, 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 
the, the comments that he made that were somewhat out of bounds to the to the greats. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm with you <laughs> on most of that. I'm with you on most of that. I think what he's doing is genius. I don't know if he even understands how genius it is, but he's doing it, and I, I got to give the brother credit. He is he is circumventing the system in a way that we haven't seen before. Um, he's basically saying everything that you're barring my son from doing, I am going to go and do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you can't do anything about it. I love it. I love it. Like he said, everything that you're rules. saying my son can't do as far as promoting himself, I'm going to go do it. And you can't be mad because we family. Um, and you can't and you can't control me because we we family. Um, I I I am just I love that. I love that whole. I, I love the whole scheme of it. Um, Lonzo is going to be a great player. Um, I don't know how great he'll be, but he got the look to me. Um, his game, he knows his game. Um, he knows what he does well, and he he plays his game. He has a he has a game that he plays. Like sometimes you watch young guys play, you like Wiggins. Like when Wiggins was at Kansas, you could see Wiggins had talent, but Wiggins didn't know what to do. <laughs> like Wiggins didn't know how to use his talent. He didn't know who he was as a ball player. Um, Lonzo does. Lonzo knows who he is, and he's just gonna keep growing. Um, because once you know who you are. You know what teams are going to try and take away and what teams don't want you to do, and you know how to build the rest of your game off that. Um, so Lonzo's going to be all right. Um, and you're right. You know, people know who he is. People know who his boys are. Um, I don't know if they'll get a billion, but they're going to get caked out. They're going to get dressed up. Um, they're going to get dressed up for sure because I think Lonzo's going to be certified. Um, but I think people got to look past the bluster and the the the, the – uh, the loudness or the brash, the brashness. And when you get past that, what you see is a black father, man, who, who's taking ownership of his children. Um, and again, like Chris Rock said in, um, in no sex in the champagne room, it's like cornbread. Ain't nothing wrong with that. (laughs) You know what I mean? A black man (laughs) taking care of his kids with a plan for his family. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I think a certain piece of this is that it rubs people the wrong way. And the one thing that I would say that I would be careful of if I was LeVar um, Ball is just to not make the brand, because eventually the brand is going to have to transition to being about his boys. Um, And if he wants to get that mass appeal, that mainstream casual fan money, he's going to have to dial it back a little bit because those are the people who I feel like are most offended, Right. Like, those are the people, and we talked about this on my last show. Like, my wife, mm-hmm. she saw, like, 30 seconds of the interview, <laughs> and she was turned off. She was like, what did he just say about his wife? He only married her because she's athletic? What? Um, yeah. You know, and at that point, she was like, I don't like this dude. And so he has to be careful that if he wants to hit that Billy mark, you're going to need the casual fan. Like, you're not going to hit a Billy off hardcore heads like us. All right, because it's yeah. not that many. It's not enough of us, and we ain't finna spend our bread like that to get you to a Billy. But if you want the Billy, you're gonna have to get the casual fan and the soccer mom to. You're gonna have to convince her that you're good, that your boy's a good role model for her son. And so he's gonna have to eventually fade back. What he's doing right now makes 100 percent sense, though. His son can't be out doing this. His son can't be out brand building right now. His son's got to focus on hooping. Um, and so. You know, I told somebody a week ago, I was like, this week, this tournament week will tell you if, if LeVar is playing checkers or if he's playing chess. Because if he's playing chess, 
you ain't gonna hear nothing. You ain't gonna hear a whole lot from him during the tournament. He's gonna let Lonzo shine during the tournament because that's when America's gonna get to know his son. And that's if he and and so far, you ain't heard nothing from uh, from Levar. This whole week of the tournament, he ain't said nothing. He ain't made no waves. He been kind of in the cut. And again, that's a sign that that brother's playing chess. Because again, now go get. I've I've gotten your attention. You know who my boys are. Now watch him do his thing. Why you yeah. why you why you locked in on your bracket? Watch him do his thing and fall in love with his game. And I'll talk to you after the tournament, right before the draft. Then I'll be back to doing me. And then you'll get to know him more. You know what I mean? We'll see. We'll see if he can keep it up because he seems like a brother who don't hold his tongue. So we'll see if he can keep it up. But like I said, if and you, know they, test, you, you know they're going to put the mic in front of him. You know they're going to put the mic of, in front of him. Of, of course. Like, you know that's coming in sweet. Of thing. course. So as well as he does with the mic, is going to be, you know they're going to do it. They're going to go to him. He, need, he needs, like I yeah. told you when he was texting, he needs to watch Stringer Bell. I put that up. He needs to watch Stringer Bell when he was talking about the elasticity. And, you know, he needs to study some Stringer Bell films uh, in terms of how he might shape <laughs> his game a little bit. You know, because if he came with that Stringer Bell stuff, he might get a, he might get the crossover thing. You're like, oh, I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. Because you're right, when, when, when he's yeah. not appealing to Marissa or somebody who would actually go hard for that in terms of, the player empowerment, right. like that crossover person, right. then he's missing the audience. So, you know, someone who actually would go hard in that space for you, when you're missing that audience, that's, to me, that's that's a place where he could get a lot of fans. But I told you, he liked the cat in the barbershop. We all know him. We say, if it was my kid, this is what I would do. We all know that cat. And now that cat got a mm-hmm. mic. Like, we've all been right. in the barbershop with that cat who said, if this was my son, this is what I would do. He's like, fool, you would never do that. Now that fool got a mic. And so folks from black communities <laughs> and black barbershops know who that cat is. I don't care where you at, Beloit, Wisconsin, uh, Atlanta, <laughs> Madison, Chicago, in any black barbershop, you got that guy that said, if that was my son, now nah, that guy got the mic. And he's showing you exactly what he told you. He's telling all the cats at the barbershop, I told you, that's what I would do. So that's the cat we're talking about. So we all know that cat. Now America does. Let me jump in real quick. I hate to digress, but the war- this just in. The Warriors on the second night of a back-to-back just won by 25 in an NBA game. We can, we, now we can against move on. Who? Against <laughs> who? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you said they had an advantage. Again, no, against who? Against who? Who they beat? The, the, the 76ers? It was a road game. The Nets. <laughs> the Nets. A road game the Nets, against a well-coached team. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't trying to hear that. <laughs> That was Well, the Dallas Mavericks are a well coached team. Yeah, that's a good. That's all right, team. I, okay, so you got you got a point there. You got a point there. Yet still, <laughs> yet still, it can be done. I, I ain't trying to say nobody ain't never won a game on a back to back. I'm still saying the other dude got an advantage though. <laughs> if they didn't play last night, I. <laughs> My apologies for digressing. You can still beat somebody. It's all good. It's all good. Um, so, you know, I, I wanted to bring some hip-hop in. We got Justin in the house, and Justin is a hip-hop head, um, certified. Um, he got his car. He's a car-carrying hip-hop head. Um, a couple of things that have been going on in the hip-hop world. Um, we had the Remy Ma, um, she, she, the, the Sheether, where she came after Nicki Minaj. 
Um, and then Nikki came back with a couple of joints about, you know, two or three weeks late. Uh, not late, but two or three weeks after. I don't want to use the term late. Because, you know, and I was having a conversation with one of the high school kids about the whole beef situation. And he kind of he kind of gave me some perspective that, you know, I was kind of taking for granted. Because, you know, I was kind of coming like, yo, man, when is Nikki going to hit her back? And he's like, yo, Ether took like six months. You know what I mean? After Jay hit her with takeover, you know, Nas had to drop. And so it, it was, and I was like, yeah, it was a different time. Like, you couldn't just go in the studio and get a track up on Twitter like you can nowadays. Um but you know he was like, give it some time, Nikki. Nikki, Nikki will come back. Um, so Justin, who won? All right, I'll tell you like this: if you, I've, I've been quoted on this show saying that Tupac's "Hit 'Em Up" was my favorite rap battle, my favorite diss song ever, and it was because of the the the, the personal nature in which Pac went. Right, he hit below the belt. He didn't hold any punches, and he let you know how he really felt. And that's what I want in a rap battle. That said, Nicki Minaj got killed just like her ex-boyfriend Meek got killed all summer long, just like others have fallen in the past. I like Remy's song, although Remy made a battle record. Nicki made songs that could be hits. So I'll 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 say that Remy won the 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 battle, but Nikki won and is going to continue to win the war because she's just a better artist. I'll tell you what, other than Sheether and All the Way Up, which ain't even a, a Remy Ma song, I ain't heard anything she put out since she she got out of prison. Right? The only reason I heard Sheether <laughs> is because of the internet. I didn't buy a record. I ain't heard a single. I don't I, I don't know what she's done since she got out of prison. So she's losing the war. But man, that sheet was was classic. She gets an A plus in my book for that one. Much respect to much respect to Remy Ma. Great song. Way to way to get personal and hit below the belt. If you're gonna come with a battle record to to the ether beat, you best bring it. And she definitely did that track justice. Like I think very few female artists or artists in general could. Yeah, uh, um, she was definitely swinging and punching below the belt. And to me, that's just good battling. That's what you got to do. <laughs> you finna win this. Don't yeah. be holding no punches back. If you got some dirt, you better sling it. You better sling yeah. it. It, was, it, um, it wasn't even. It wasn't even close to me. I mean, let me put it. First of all, she does something that most of these cats don't do. She named her target. She named it. She ain't high. She named the target. She was deadly like a sniper. And then she had at the end she had to drop the mic, which she basically said <laughs> it's a shot to the head. I mean, and on top of it, the packaging where she had her basically cut up on like the, the graphics on the packaging of the single sold it to. It ain't even close, man. And this is how I know it's not close. There's not a male or a female artist who would come back at Remy on a battle. Like once they hear that, I don't know, I don't think Drake would even come back at her on a battle tip. Well, let's let's not be creatures of the moment and go that far. Think about think about the one he was on with Wayne. Listen to how they talked about it. Did they come at her hard on 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 the, on the, when they came back on on the, on the song that they did with Nikki? They didn't come back hard. Did Drake because there's so like much above them. Remy's so far beneath them. It almost looks no, them. no. So now so now she now she's beneath them. He didn't have no problems coming back at me. 
He didn't come back at her like that. Neither Make a little like higher Remy. up than Remy Ma. Come on. No, I, I was. I was. They, they did that. They did that. They did. That. They, did that. they like we got the role for our girl, but we ain't gonna put too much out there. I'm telling you, you can say a lot about Remy. Remy can battle. She might not make no hits, but I don't think anybody will come at her on a battle tip. I agree, but uh, again, that female rap doesn't quite do it for me. I know, you know, it, female rap just doesn't do it for me enough that that I would even care to listen to, to female battle rap. But Remy definitely got my attention. I'll say that much. <laughs> I can tell she got it. When I heard that, I was like, "Ain't nobody coming back after this." I was like, "Is Nikki still alive? Is Nikki still alive?" She got. She can't be alive after this one. I'll tell you what. What helps battle rap nowadays is these internet memes, though. I swear, yeah. like seeing the visual along with hearing what Nikki or what Remy was saying, just like the whole Meek and Drake with the boys in the hood. Yeah. You want to see a dead body? Like <laughs> those memes. <laughs> those memes help give a, a visual to the slang that's being done on wax, and I, I, I love it. It brings me back to my childhood and the high school. Man, I mean, she, oh, came, she came. She came. Ice Cube S. And I think Ice Cube is the most deadly. You know, I still say the bridge is over is the best one because it, it shut down the whole borough. And even the borough is shut down. You know, cats like 50 was like, yeah, we, we, we the Queens got crushed. I, I, you know, that's, that's all my favorite because it shut down the entire borough. But nobody was better than Ice Cube. I, it felt Ice Cube S when I listened to it. I was like, man, these are shots. I, I, I'm, she might not get up. This is a standing eight count. This is a standing eight count right now. Go on the top. <laughs> standing eight he count. dies, he dies. You say Ice Cube, like, I'm going to go one step in a different direction. One of my favorite battle raps of all time, a lot of people don't even remember, but when when Corrupt had beef with some East Coast cats or Foxy Brown, he did calling out names. That's what she did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Something you yeah. didn't expect, a beef that you weren't paying any attention to, but once Corrupt put out calling out names, you, you were forced to, to be drawn in. Nobody was checking yeah. for a Remy Ma this album towards Nicki Minaj. Like I guarantee you, no. we weren't having this conversation until she dropped Sheeter. So we knew about yeah. the other beefs and it with Cube and with Cannabis and yeah. LL. We knew about those, so we were anticipating yeah. these 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 battles. Remy yeah. just woke up one day like, you know what? I don't like how she's been coming across lately. I'm about to handle it, and it surprised <laughs> the world. We all love it, <laughs> right? Right, you ain't even oh, lie. You ain't even lie. Uh, as we continue, to, as we continue to talk about Young Money, Young Money Records, uh, Drake dropped an album this past weekend called More Life, and I think there's a picture of his father on the front or him with a bad wig on. I mean, like he got. Yeah, he, <laughs> I'm saying I think that's his pops. Is that his pops? That's his pops. What are we looking at? Okay, that's, that's what pops. I thought. It, it, it pops is an old school R and B cat, um, and you can see it. In, you see it in the picture because he got long hair and, and no dome, no top. The top is off. <laughs> he, he riding with the Rari, He riding in the Rari with the top down. <laughs> oh my goodness! So Drake dropped the album "More Life." Um, Justin, you had a chance to check it. Now, you gave me some high praise before we got into the subject matter. You said I was a card yeah. holder. I was, you know, you respect it. I got to tell you, as an official card holder, no, nah, I haven't checked it out, and I doubt I will. It, it, I've uh. heard too much. 
and I'll tell you how social media influences you nowadays. Everything I've everything I've read or heard said, if you heard one Drake album, you've heard them all. Or this Drake album really sounds like a Drake album. And I'm not a huge Drake album fan. I like when Drake does hit songs, when he's featured with Lil Wayne, when he's rapping grimy talk, which he doesn't do on most albums. And he does. I don't like singing Drake, and I don't like pop Drake, so I have not checked it out. Usually, Drake's music finds me. I don't go finding it, and since it hasn't found me yet, I haven't gave it the time of day. Hmm. You know what, man? That's a great way to put that. That's a great. Way. I, I don't like usually that. find Drake's music. Drake music finds me. I, you know what? I might, yeah. I might steal that. I will give you a footnote and credit you with it, but I might steal that from time to time. Yes. Um, that 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 that's that's eloquently spoken, brother. Um, <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> um, so more life. I I have listened to, it and I have I, I try to stay away from social media and, and, until I I get a chance to digest something. And so, um, if you're reading this, um, I enjoyed that. I like that Drake, right? I like that Drake a lot. From the, the if you're reading this album. Then he dropped the views, and I like that Drake, too, because he got the hits and he got the Caribbean vibe. But then he did the views Drake again on More Life, and it's kind of like, give me something else, man. <laughs> like, run a different play. <laughs> I saw this one already. So I, I kind of I agree with the Internet sentiments that this is mm, typical kind of, uh, a, a typical kind of Drake album. And so much so, it seems like he just did views too. Um, like these were like views songs that he was kind of like, I'm gonna save these and just put out another. Like views should have been a double album, um, but don't nobody do double albums no more because really, don't nobody buy albums. So what's the point? <laughs> put two together. <laughs> so that's kind of what I got from it. Um, there are some hits on it. There are some songs that because Drake does what he does. Um, but it is what Drake doing what he does. Um, and there's not any necessarily new ground that has been broken with this particular project. So, yeah. But that new Ross, that new Rosé, listen to that. That's on point. So that new Rick Ross, check that out. Um, let's do about, can you guys do an extra 10 minutes? Can you guys hang on for another 10? Yeah. I got 20. <laughs> okay, well, we might take twenty. So we're gonna slide into the after hours portion. If you're listening to, if you're listening live, uh, you have to download the podcast to catch these next ten to twenty minutes um, of NCAA tournament talk. Uh, you listen to the Real Sports Guys, RealSportsGuys.com, RSG Renegade Radio, brought to you by Carbon World Health. Uh, make sure you go to CarbonWorldHealth.com. Carbon World Health. Uh, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Uh, make sure you hit them up. Tell them the real sports guy sent you when you do. All right? NCAA tournament. We got through the first weekend, Sweet 16. I don't want to hear no bracket talk. My bracket, I, I, I told you, D-Wheels, I ain't, I, I ain't really even watch college basketball mm-hmm. a ton. I, I'm up late. I didn't caught some West Coast games. And so I picked two West Coast teams to play in the championship. I picked Gonzaga and I picked UCLA because them really the only teams I've seen and know anything about because I'll be up late at night and the West Coast games be on. I got Arizona doing a little bit, but uh, you know, I'm I'm right, I'm I'm living I'm I, I filled out my bracket like I live in the Pacific time zone, straight up and down. 
Because <laughs> I've been watching a lot of Pac-12 basketball. <laughs> Late nights watching tape, man. Um, so I ain't even gonna talk about. It. I want. I don't want to talk about no brackets. I just want to talk about some of these games, man. So you know, Duke. I mean, again, I got mad respect for Coach K. I think he is one of the best coaches ever. But I have never seen such a good coach lose as many times as he does with more talent than the other coach. <laughs> like, it never fails. Like, you got the most talented team, but you keep getting beat by teams with less talent than you. And when that happens, you have to chalk it up. Like, I've never seen a great coach get outcoached more than Coach K. I just ne- – I've never seen it. I've <laughs> never seen it. I don't understand it. Like I, he always, he almost always has more in these situations where his teams get put out early. He almost always has more talent than the other coach. Almost always, and I just don't understand that. I just don't get it. I just don't. I don't know what to make of it because he's a good coach. He is a good coach. There's no doubt about that. Coach K is a good coach, but dang it, he gets beat a lot by teams with less talent. What were your thoughts on on Duke going into into the tournament, Justin? So, as as you may or may not know, I grew up a Duke fan. I'm still a Duke fan. Will continue to be a Duke fan. However, I don't get to watch as much college basketball. Period. Um, given life and given my affinity for the NBA and just being watching grown men play is much better. I think you're doing Coach K a disservice with saying the the things that you're saying, given that the man's got five championships. Name me another guy that does, other than John Wooden, who you've never seen coach. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's a bad oh, coach, hear me out. But, hear me out. but it's the truth. It's the hear truth. me out. Bill Self gets put out way more than Coach K. Roy Williams you know, he's not as good a coach. Hold on. He's not as self is not as good and Roy Williams is not good they're not as good coach. They're like a tear down. They're like Come a tear down from K. Roy Williams continually gets put out by squads he should beat. This is the nature of the college game. This is the nature of playing four seniors in your starting lineup, i.e. South Carolina. This is the nature of playing a team that's a little hungrier than you. Notice when Coach K loses these games. Talent, is, is, the tournament is not about talent. Talent wins in the NBA when you got a four-game series, and you, I mean a seven-game series, and you got to win four out of seven. Talent does not win your ball games. Hustle, heart, grit, and guard play wins in the tournament. Duke went this entire year without a true point guard. Grayson Allen was in and out of the lineup and, and, is, and is, is inconsistent at best. Um, Luke Kennard, who, who, who's a gamer and can score the basketball, is not a point guard. They had him playing point forward, which is not a recipe for success in college basketball. Duke got all the hype this year, one, because of Coach K, two, because of the run they went on in the ACC tournament. But if you watch them all season long and were objective, they were inconsistent at best. They went through a stretch where they lost three ACC games in a row, four out of six. Duke is who you think they are. When they have guard play, they dominate. They win with teams you don't think are going to win. You never thought Nolan Smith and John Shire and Kyra Singler was going to take that team to a championship? You never thought the young bull Tyus uh, uh, Jones and, and, and Ja Okafor, who can't even get minutes in the NBA now, uh, uh, were going to win that championship? Duke wins with strong guard play, which they did not have all season long. That's why they lost the game. 
Okay. Villanova, anybody? Anybody want to take a stab at why Villanova lost? Devon, I mentioned it four seniors. When you have seniors yeah. in the tournament, guys that have been there before, that makes a difference. And Villanova lost a good portion of that championship team from last year, so they all hadn't been there before. Wisconsin, a lot of people picked that. That wasn't as – granted, it was an 8-1 matchup, but it wasn't as big of an upset if you look at the line from Vegas as, as most people are making it out to be. Yeah, that was but one that's still I, the number one know, I talked to you about that last – But, no, nah, that's but still I, the number you know, one overall seed. Yeah, and I picked that – I mean, part of the problem with this is uh, – so, you know, you, y'all know that if you listen um, – Villanova's been on my perennial can't trust it list. Uh, I, I gave uh, Jay Wright a reprieve this year because I felt like I was beating up on him too much. I like Jay Wright, which a lot. is well, I mean, I, well I, earned. He earned it though. He earned yeah. it. And, and 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 if I had somebody, I'd love to have somebody play with Jay Wright. I think he's a great person, but and that's why it just confuses me why his team struggled like this in a way. Um, and but when I saw that matchup, I was like, Wisconsin's gonna get him. Um, and, and and part of it is it's hard to explain because when you watch them, it's like they play tough D. They got multiple people who can score, and you're trying to figure out like like when I watched that game, I still couldn't figure out why they lost. Like so, J- Justin just said something real interesting about why Duke. That's why I thought Duke was not going to struggle because they don't have a true point guard. The other reason is I think they depend too much on three, and I think three pointers are 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 a very important piece about that 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 I think we don't look at with Coach K and, and you tighten up in tournament games. You, it's not like the league. Three pointers and a one and done will get you if you don't have an, a multiple ways to score. Um, and so I, I always think Duke is going to be challenged. They play best when they have a clear low post presence. Even if some of those teams you looked at, they've always had a clear person on the block who can deliver in, a, in addition to shooting threes in a point guard. But when they just go with that safe, like four out, one in, whatever that combination goes, I'm always a little hesitant of them because I just don't think they're they're going to have a day where that's just not going to work. Whereas Villanova has a lot more versatility. And so even if the, the thing about Jay Wright, when they lose, I can't really understand how they lost. <laughs> and that's the part that's different versus how we're breaking down Duke. I still can't figure out. I knew they were going to lose to Wisconsin, but I couldn't figure out, like, I can't figure out what the weakness was. Which is the part that just throws me off. I don't know how y'all feel that way. It just, I'm not. It's not as easy about the read. I, I don't. I can't say whether they're not tough enough. I think they kind of. I just can't circle why they lost. What you got, Justin? You know what? I had Wisconsin. I never really believed in Villanova. They shocked me last year. Um, they shocked me last year, and. I just I never trusted them. I went from Philly, so I kind of had to. But when, when I have an opportunity to go for the Big Ten, I typically do. Uh, I like the scrappiness. I like the the way that the Big Ten plays the game. I know that there's a difference between how Midwest people grind and how other conferences and regions play basketball. And I'm a firm believer in the Midwest Big Ten way. So I picked Wisconsin, and I'm proud of them. 
and I think that chemistry and I think that senior leadership is what pushed them over the edge to beat um, Villanova. That's right. That's right. Because you got like yeah. Boston was in foul trouble for like four minutes. Like he was killing him. He was in foul trouble. But I knew they couldn't. They couldn't handle Nigel. I said if Nigel get on the block and play close, Villanova going to struggle. Hart didn't come to play. Hart Hart struggled. Their marquee player always seems to struggle, and Hart struggled in that game. Okay. So, with the Sweet 16, we're down to the Sweet 16. Who are your top three? I'm not giving you four. I'm giving you top three. Who are your, who are your three most likely to make it out of, this sweet, out of this round of 16? I'll take that one. Uh, I feel like you, game changer. I've been staying up way later than I need to because of LeVar Ball, <laughs> by the way. And I've been watching Pac-12 more than any other college uh, uh, conference. So, I really like UCLA, who I picked to win it all. I like Arizona. I, I like Arizona. I think they got some dogs. And I like Kansas. That kid Jackson, who was the, the yeah. uh, high school player of the year last year from Houston, he is a problem. And I think in games like this, best player wins. I like Lonzo Ball. I like Jackson. And I like the entire starting five for Arizona. Yeah. Yeah, those are good picks. I like I like those picks. I like all those picks. D. Wills, what three you feel like got the best chance of making it out of this round of sixteen? Man, I love those picks. My three is I'm surprised you gonna say Kansas. That guy, John Jackson, is. I did. That's what I said. You know, uh, it, it, it is, yeah, you right. Is is that's the first Kansas player I've seen in a long time that got dog. Like he got literally dog in. Yeah. I'm like I look at him like yeah. this cat is. He got a competitive spirit. And the way he played his game, I, 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 you know, I'm a big ball fan. I told you, like, a first pick. But I watched that kid play. I'm like, this kid, for real, got size. Love him. I would be surprised you, Gonzaga. I think they're going to break through. They got versatility. I think they tired of people talking about it. It's, 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 I feel like they're at the point where Duke was when they had Allery and, and Coach K was trying to break through and everybody was trying. That's, that's the Duke teams I liked. You know, I feel like they, at that moment, this is like that team. That uh, that they that they and he had that that kind of getting a breakthrough. I like them from a team concept and versatility. Uh, and in North Carolina, North Carolina for me for the first time. And this is crazy. I got two guys from my can't trust list, but North Carolina for this team feels like Michigan State in a sense that they're going to win. They can win ugly because they clean the glass better than anybody they defend. It's not that they have offensive capability, but for the first time, Roy Williams has found a way to get a team that's grinding, and his bigs play tough, and he got some guys who can score. Like, any of these other teams, they can match up when they're at their best with the size in the middle. They're going to cause problems, and they don't necessarily need to shoot well to win. And I've always liked that about Tom Enzo's team. He, he, when his teams are good, it's because they can win and not shoot well. It's because they're going to defend, and they're going to get second shots on the glass. Okay. And just to add a third voice to the choir, um, yeah, the Jackson boy from uh, Kansas, man, I was impressed. I mean, like, I I haven't watched a lot of Kansas this year. I maybe saw a couple of games. Man, I was impressed with that dude. I mean, like, he was hitting from the block. I mean, he was hitting at all three levels. He got the drive game. He could hit the three. He was posting up. I mean, just and, and doing nice stuff. I mean, just reverse pivots, 
you know, spinning the opposite way, hitting fadeaways. I mean, just he was doing some nice stuff. Um, kids got game for sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, UCLA man. I'm in love. I, I love that team, man. Um, like I said, Lonzo Ball is, is cold. He cold blooded. Um, so I, I got UCLA winning it all. I got them going against Gonzaga. So I'm gonna go with those two teams for sure to come out. And then I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Justin, on Kansas. Um, even though I'm not a Bill Self fan, I am not a Bill Self fan. But I was that impressed with the Jackson kid. Where I think he's going. The rest of the squad is good enough. Where if he's doing his thing, they're gonna be hard to beat. Um, you know, it's not a one-man show where he has to carry the team. When he's playing as well as he was playing against Michigan State, they are hard to beat um, because the other guys can play. There are other guys on the team. Mason can play. Um, there are other guys on that roster who are good ball players. And if they just kind of do what they do, and if, if he's playing well, that's a tough team to beat. So um, I got Gonzaga, I got UCLA, I got Kansas coming out. And, again, D. Will's your assessment of Gonzaga. I've watched them a lot. This is a different kind of Gonzaga team. This ain't – like I said, they only got the floppy hair, white kid running point. Now nah, they got some brothers out there and some brothers who can go and who will yam on you if you if you get caught sleeping. Uh, so sleep on them if you want to. They'll, they'll come at you, and they'll come for your throat. <laughs> They're not coming for your throat. They're coming for your throat. <laughs> There's no R in throat. <laughs> So let's finish this up. Uh, your assessment to this point: best player still left in the tournament. Uh, this is this is a tough, actually, a, a much tougher question than it was when I when I thought of this question last week. Um, best player left in the tournament, Justin. <sighs> best player left in the tournament. I gotta go, Lonzo, only because he does multiple things well. I watched Kansas twice last weekend, and I want to say Jackson. Jackson's the better scorer, if you ask me. Jackson is the Justice Winslow of that Duke team that won the championship, if you ask me. He's got the dog, if you ask me. But I just like Lonzo's poise on the court. I like the way he sees the floor. I like the way that he can shoot the ball, pass the ball, rebound the ball, and score the ball. And if I want to start a franchise, I want a point guard who's dynamic, and I want my best player to be in control of the basketball. And I think that's Lonzo Ball. And I'm not just buying LeVar Ball's hype. Okay. And I'm with you on Lonzo. Um, again, I feel like, you know, knowledge itself is, is, is one of the key things you need to have just to be a successful human being, period. And he knows who he is on that basketball court. I mean, he knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what he can do. And he and he uses every tool in his toolkit. Um, and when you got a kid at that young of an age who can do that, who can recognize all the tools they have at their disposal and pull them out when they need to and know, to use, pull out, know when to pull out the wrench, know when to pull out the screwdriver, you know what I'm saying, know when to pull out the hammer, he knows that. He understands moments. He understands pace. He controls the game. Man, that kid, man, you you know, like, you know, people have brought up Jason Kidd because they both light-skinned, um, but no <laughs> doubt, he's Jason Kidd with a jump shot. I mean, he's Jason Kidd with range. Um, ugly. He, yeah, it, it, but it goes. I mean, it's not it's not, it's not, not a um, textbook jump shot. He ain't Ray Allen with that, but it goes in. 
<laughs> it goes in. I mean, he ain't Ray Allen, but he ain't Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks. It kind of looks like Kelvin Martin to me. How he used to wind up and push it out. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's got yeah, he's got like a little twerk to it before you let it go. But it um, drops. But yeah, man, it, it it drops and he passes, he pushes pace. I mean, he is he is going he is the perfect point guard for today's NBA. Um, you know, he he doesn't the ball doesn't stick in his hands. He moves it. He 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 understands free flowing basketball. He understands movement and he can shoot and he's got length. Yeah, he's going to be a nice fit somewhere. He's going to be a nice fit somewhere. I mean, you pair him in Philly if Embiid ever get his knees right, um, but you put him with Simmons and Embiid in a, in a place like Philly or you put him in L.A., um, you, and you got something, man. You got something. So I, 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 love, I, love, I love what I saw from Josh Jackson, but, man, I've been a Lonzo Ball fan um, since, like, January. <laughs> I've been on Lonzo since I, I watched like three straight. You said I caught you LA like three straight times. And I'm like, man, this kid is the real deal. Um, so yeah, D. Wills, best player left in the tourney. Yeah, I, I had Jackson. I was you know you. I was a ball fan. I, I think I'm a three each on ball. I'm a, I'm switching it. I have I have two sneaky players though, um, and they're on teams who are not there. Uh, and if they play well and they kind of merge late, is that kid Wagner from Michigan? Watching, and then uh, Nigel Hayes, and I've said this about he's a tough cover, and so these are two best basketball players we're talking about. But I, I think these two players could be interesting in this if they put a run together by these two players. I think they can control a game in some interesting ways with their size. These are two kids who are kind of Wagner's kind of he's got NBA level talent and just kind of realizes because he got shape. People are beginning to see how good he is on the stage. But uh, but uh, Nigel, Nigel's a kid to watch. If he stays he's aggressive, he's a tough cover, and it'd be interesting to see how. But these these two kids are clearly the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that'll do it, gentlemen. We'll we'll end it there. Um, oh, one more question. Just one more question, man. Um, and it's been bothering me, man. You know, Georgetown. You know, I'm a Hoya I'm a Hoya fan, man, and we've been we've been it's been a bad stretch, man. It's been a bad stretch. You know. Um Indiana been a bad stretch. Two very proud programs. Um, Georgetown is sticking with J T three for the moment. Indiana got rid of Tom Cream. Which one of these programs is gonna get back first? Georgetown just lost their best recruit in a minute. Um and Shemaine Waters, um, he he asked for his release. You know, he's like a little Iverson clone, um, quick guard, quick as a hiccup, can score, can pour it in points. And he 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 asked for his release from scholarship, and, and they ain't really got nobody else coming in. <laughs> They've had guys transfer out of the program, man. I feel I feel bad, man. JT three just ain't getting it done. And Indiana has kind of been mired in the mediocrity, kind of stuck. In neutral for so long under Tom Crean, just they haven't been quite able to get over the hump and be consistently good. Um, so, which one of those two programs you got to pick one? Which one is getting back first? D. Wilkes. This is easy for me. Uh, Indiana. 
because you've got a captive audience in terms of the keeping kids. In, their biggest thing is keeping kids in the state. They've got to get a guy who can keep them in the state. Um, and there's, their history has been built. I think part of it is Georgetown's history is linked to John Thompson. And, and they're located in a place that's very competitive that they don't quite own. Whereas if you're at Indiana, if you can just keep some of the top talent in the state, you can win. Think about the number of top talent that's around the country and playing on other teams from Indiana. If you can keep some of that talent home along with some of the other stuff, you can – they've had talent. I mean, I went to watch them in their, their opening practice uh, this year, and they've got talent. Um, and if they can keep some of that other talent home, you can win. So I think Indiana is probably in a better position to come back. And they've already had a deep run, even on the cream, um, in, in recent years. Okay, okay. Justin, who's coming back first? You know, I got to concur. I, I was a huge fan of the Georgetown program under John Thompson. Uh, I, I, my son was born in D.C. I, I took him to several uh, Georgetown games as an infant, and I didn't like the product I saw on the court. John Thompson the third, he's – I hate to ever call for for anybody's job, especially an African-American head coach because we know how scared they are. But he has not done anything to grow that program. He's almost like Tiger Woods without the, the, the greatness and the scandal. Like, he gives me so much hope, and he never comes through. Like, he always lets me down. And Georgetown has not been anything since he got there, and I don't believe in him, period. And I think that Indiana will bounce back first because I think they're going to get Steve Alford from UCLA. They're going to throw a ton of money at him to lure him away from from the West Coast, from the Sunshine. So they're going to have to pay him. And I think that he also realizes he's losing Lonzo this year, and he doesn't really trust the middle brother that well. So let me ride this wave while I'm going out high. And I think he's going to go to Indiana and grow that program just like he did at UCLA. I got to go Indiana. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got. I, I honestly got to agree with you guys. I think Indiana is an easier job. Um, that DMV area is chock full of talent, but because it's chock full of talent, everybody and their mama got their hands out in, in that area trying to pull players out of there. Um, Georgetown. I mean, brothers don't want to run that Princeton stuff, man. <laughs> no. Ain't, ain't nobody trying to pass the ball seventeen times so we shoot it, man. We just ain't trying to do that, John. Ain't anybody trying to do that, man. (laughs) I can't get saucy trying to back cut. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't clap for that, man. Um, So, you know, as much as I I, I love the Thompson family and and Big John is is one of my coaching idols, man, and, you know, I grew up wanting to play for him and everything, like, uh, JT3 ain't got it, man. (laughs) I, I did too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, like, like, I want, like, ever man, since I, I wanted, I wanted Big John to yell at me, man. I couldn't wait for him. I, man, I'd have, I'd have paid money for him to yell at me, to get back on defense. I'm like, yes, sir. Man, it was three things for life. me. It was John Thompson, Allen Iverson, and Dwayne Martin in above the rim. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Kyle, what? <laughs> I wanted to go to Georgetown University. I had a fourth. I had a fourth. It was the Kente Kowal trim on the jerseys, man. I thought that was so fresh. 
<laughs> I thought that was the freshest thing in the world, man. I was like, man, they got I own an Iverson Georgetown jersey this day. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. So my moment was Michael Grant. Just to intimidate. I, I, but I can hear the I can hear the sadness in your voice. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, it's like just not what it's say. I mean, yeah, man. This is probably how St. John's fans feel, man. St. <laughs> John's hey, fans to be good again. Mullen. I've got faith in Chris Mullen. I think he could bring the program back. I got faith in Chris Mullen. I just don't got faith in, in, in the sustainability of the St. John's brand no more, man. Um, I don't know. I just don't think it's going to pop. I think it's so far removed from its history that people just, that kids just ain't. Ain't checking for it no more. And I'm scared that's where Georgetown is going to wind up. Where guys like me and you, we're in our mid to late 30s. And for kids who are, are, are making these decisions, I mean, like, we ain't going to be really able to, you know, really, like, have some say in this until our kids are at that age <laughs> where they're looking at getting recruited. You know what I'm saying? Then we can be like, hey, Georgetown, you need to think about Georgetown. <laughs> They was hot in the program night. back, <laughs> and he gonna be like, "No, Dad, no." <laughs> like they ain't won nothing in seventeen years. I'm good, Pop. Um, but yeah, man, and, and so like I'm just scared that, that Georgetown will wind up in a situation like uh, a Seton Hall or and Seton Hall has been has been on the come up lately. So I mean, they've improved, but again, it's not sustainable and it's not where they were. Um, and again, UNLV, for example, I mean, just like they'll be in a, they'll they'll hit they'll hit in the tournament every couple of years. UNLV will, but it's not what it was. Not that hotbed. It's not that place. And, and maybe the time is just coming gone for for Georgetown. But yeah, man, it's a little sad for me, man. It's a little sad for me because you know I wanted to be a Hoya destroyer bad. I'd have carried tiles, man. I'd have been I'd have been a dude. You know, Keenan Thompson got this video out where he uh, he's the dude that holds him back on the bench. I'd have been that dude. I'd been holding everybody back. Like, don't go on the court, man. I know y'all excited to stay off this court. <laughs> I, I, man, I signed up for that all day, every day. Um, but nonetheless, that'll do it for this edition of the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com. RSG Renegade Radio brought to you by Carbon World Health. Uh, thanks to our guest, our man, Justin Page coming through bringing the hotness man yeah this was fun i had a good time gentlemen uh justin parting shots anything you want to say as we close this out you got about a minute all right parting shots i appreciate y'all having me on would love to do it again anytime soon maybe during the nba playoffs i do however i know we don't do it anymore but i need to do a a redistance digital dog of the week and my guy is isaiah livers Kalamazoo, Michigan's first ever uh, Mr. Basketball representative. Uh, good luck to you, to my to my KC Maroon Giants in the regional uh, championship this week, and hopefully we can get to the Breslin Center. Go Giants! I like that, man. I can hear the pride in your voice. Yes, sir. Till then, till till next week or next time. Peace.